Good morning and welcome to another exciting edition of Day 4 with the man, Frank Scalish. What's going on, Frank? What's up? What's up, Matt? Uh, well, at the moment, nothing. It is a recorded show. Uh, I'm currently at Table Rock Lake uh, fishing for spotted bass. Fishing for spotted bass, smallmouth, and largemouth that you could catch all on the same cast. There's nothing better than that. No, there's not. It's the trifecta of bass. <laughs> it is. It is one of the few lakes in the country, and I think I take for granted that it's only five, six hours away, uh, where you can catch a four-pound spot, a four-pound small uh, smallmouth, and a four-pound largemouth. Yeah, been there, done that. That lake's fantastic. It's one of my favorite lakes, actually. How many other lakes are there in the country where you can do that? I'm being serious. Let's think about that. Um, Bull Shoals. Which is basically like a table rock. Well, yeah, but I, I think the fishing's way better at table rock, although bull shoals can be underrated at times. Uh, let's throw Cumberland into there. Now, four-pound spot is big. I have caught a four-pound spot out of there before, but you could do all that. You could do that at Cumberland. I think there's a couple of lakes around there. I think maybe... Kentucky Lake. Kentucky Lake. Are there four-pound spots in Kentucky Lake? I don't know. I don't see why, why they wouldn't grow them. I mean, they grow big smallmouth and big largemouth, so... Yeah, I don't see why it wouldn't happen. Anyway, one of the few lakes. So I'm out there fishing. So we got a recorded show, uh, recorded show for today. Uh, when I was setting up the show, yeah. When I was setting up the show, though, (laughs) you sent me (laughs) (laughs) exactly. (laughs) You sent me a text. Now, if you guys remember, I was at uh, I was at Uncle Frank's. Hell, when, when when was I there? Oh my gosh. It was it was sometime fall. sometime early 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 fall almost the end of summer. Yeah, it was end of summer. End of summer. But you sent me this. <laughs> that was and that it, was. <laughs> it makes it look based on that picture, and that's a that's a eight point buck for those of you listening. But uh, it makes it look like you live in like this wilderness sanctuary. But you are you are in suburbia where you are. I mean, you've got yeah. a little bitty backyard, and the deer just love it. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, that buck is a 10-point. It's got two split brow tines, but you can't see it in the picture. Um, I got other photos of it that I took. But, uh, yeah, I was raking the leaves um, Saturday. Frankie and I went fishing Friday. Saturday, I was raking the leaves. And um, I saw the the beginnings, the beginnings of a um, a scrape. And... um, I thought it was just one of the small, you know, forked bucks or, or, you know, a small six point because it was just the very beginnings. There you go. It was just the very beginnings of the scrape. And so I was, I was, there's a couple of them on the outskirts of my yard and, and, um, and, and a couple of, uh, rubs where they were getting the velvet off their antlers but anyhow the long and short short, it is i'm raking the leaves and i'm putting them in piles so i can put them on a tarp and drag them all out and um i turn around and this this buck is like 15 feet away from me and i didn't even hear him and so i was like oh i I better take some pictures of him and so i took a i took a couple pictures of him and then of course um you know I had to grunt at it to see what it would do. And so I grunted at him and he put his hoof down on the ground a couple of times. And then I just stood there and didn't move because I was very close to him. Mm-hmm. And then he, he walked away. Um, you uh, know, <laughs> I would say I'm going to show this, even though this is tacky classless and should not be shown on BTL. Is, it, say, so, is it something I sent you? <laughs> no, yeah. It's the same picture. Oh, so here's the picture. You quite literally scared the crap out of that deer because if you oh, zoom yeah. in on the tail. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> you got one in mid-fall. <laughs> there's, there's an action shot. <laughs> Frank Scalish scared the crap out of that deer. Oh, God. Just a, just a mid, uh, mid mid-drop. Mid drop right there. <laughs> Must say, why if the fishing thing doesn't work out for you, you got wildlife photographer. Wildlife photographer right. is definitely uh, another option oh, for you, Frank. You you don't even understand. You don't even understand the deer here. There there 
out of their minds. Okay, first of all, where I live, they they're and all you hunters out there could totally appreciate this. They are absolutely 100% unequivocally not afraid of you here. They don't care that you, they don't care if you're cutting the grass. They don't care if you're painting the house. They don't care what you're doing. If they want to be in the yard and eat something, they're just coming in the yard and eating it. Mm -hmm. um, they have no, they have no fear. So um, I've had a lot of, uh, <laughs> I've had a lot of really um, close calls with these animals because I, I push, I push them to the limit sometimes. <laughs> just to see how close you can get to. Just to see, to see their reaction and stuff. Yeah. So anyway, so I, so, so I deer hunt too. And, and, um, my wife literally thinks that when you go out into the wilderness and you hunt the deer, that they're as tame as the ones in the yard. Okay? They just walk up and you just blast them from right. about six feet away. <laughs> they just come up and wham, you know what I mean? And so, and so I, tr I tried to explain to her that it's nothing at all like that in the yeah. woods. If you, if you, if you crack a twig, uh, every deer in four miles is going to the next county. You know, she doesn't understand that. If you, you know, if you wear cologne, you'll never mm -hmm. see a deer. You know what I mean? Just stuff mm -hmm. like that. So, so at any rate, so one day. You, who doesn't wake up and say, you know what? This morning needs to start off with a splash of Old Spice. <laughs> That's right. Now we're ready to be alone all day. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> so I got a, I got a couple of deer stories. If you guys want to hear them there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's hear them. It's hunting season and enlightenment. They're priceless. Okay. So I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting, I just get back from fishing and I'm actually going two days in a row and I, I just get back and it's, it's, it's right at, as a hunter, you know, the bewitching hour, it's like right at that darky, dusky, mm -hmm. everything on the planet's moving. If it's an animal right now. So I, I bet I bet back the boat in, I unhook it. I back my truck up to the corner of the garage and I have, there's there. I, I only have a half acre, but there's a, but there's, um, a section on the side of my garage that the deer love to bed down in. And so they, they bed down there all the time. So it's very normal for me to, to back in and in my backup camera, you know, see three to five deer sleeping over there. It's not anything out of the ordinary. So I, I back the truck up into the position and there's no deer back there. And I was on the phone with a buddy of mine. And I saw this doe in the neighbor's yard running like it, it running like it was scared to death. And they have a dog fence around their whole yard. And so the doe hops in the dog fence and is running in circles in the dog fence. Oh, now great. You, you have to remember something. This is very close to me. So I'm watching the doe go around and she leaps the fence and runs behind my truck and runs past me like literally like you know my shirt goes when she runs past because she's like yeah. she's like right next to me and she runs down and i got a log pile and she puts the brakes on right in front of the log pile and stops there well two seconds later probably in all honesty the same time she's leaping the fence this crazy buck with a really weird you know, one, one side was perfect. The other side looked like something satanic jumps over the fence and starts sniffing her out, but not like they normally do, you know, real slow and lethargic. This, this buck is ripping. He jumps the fence. I lose sight of him because I got a, I got a pine tree behind my truck. That's, you know, wide enough for me to hide behind. And I lose sight of the buck and I'm on the phone with my buddy and I'm whispering. I'm like, Paul, the buck is right here. I can hear it, but I can't see it. You know what I, and I'm, and I'm standing at the rear tire of between my rear tire and the tailgate of my truck. Okay. All of a sudden this antler is literally like almost touching the side of my tailgate 
and the and me and the buck are probably three inches apart. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh my God. You know, I'm thinking to myself, he's on he's on that doe. The obviously the doe almost brushed me running by yeah, me. So he's, he's gonna right, start, he's gonna try to meet you. Yeah. So I'm kind of <laughs> I'm kind of screwed. So anyway, so <laughs> so all of a sudden, and thank God, he picks his head up and we're we're I'm antlers to eyes with this deer. Okay. And he spots the doe at the log pile. So he takes off after her. So I'm like, Oh my gosh, I dodged a bullet. Cause you know, at that point he's got other things on his mind. Yeah. I don't know if it's fight or flight with this thing or what, but we are literally inches, inches mm -hmm. apart. So, okay. So the next morning I'm going fishing with a buddy of mine, my buddy Bruce and I wake up in the morning and I, I, so I hook the truck up. I do my thing. I go inside, I come out and, and I, I'm, I got a wooden fence where the boat lines up and the truck lines up and my truck is funky. It's like crooked. And I'm like, what the hell? So I go, I look in the front tire. I got a flat. I must've ran over a nail or something. I got a flat. So I'm like, oh, I got to change the tire. So I call my buddy up. I'm like, dude, I got to change the tire. I'm going to be, you know, 25, 30 minutes late. He's like, no problem. So, you know, I do what I got to do. I get the jack out. I put it underneath the truck and I'm, and I'm laying down trying to find where this stupid jack can go under the truck, but find right. a stable part because my, my driveway is blacktop. So I need a flat spot on the blacktop, one that's not going to mush down when I start jacking it up. So I'm underneath the truck. I get the spot and, and through that little wooden fence, there's gaps through the wooden. It's a wooden slatted fence. There's gaps and I'm laying down and I see deer, deer legs right on the other side of the wooden fence. So I crawl out from under the truck and I, I stand up and the fence is only so high. I stand up and there's a doe and she's on the other side and she's looking at me and we're about 10 inches apart and it's, cold so the you know the smokes the mist is coming out of her nose and we're literally face to face well i start laughing because it's funny and I, and the fence is between us so if i scare her she's not going to hoof me to death and we're we're literally super close so i i you know i'm going to touch her because i want to touch it i'm going to touch her and she backs up so i figure screw it i got to change the tire so i i I get down and do what I got to do, but the jack is sinking in my driveway on the blacktop. <clears throat> so I got to get a board out of the garage. Well, when I'm laying there with the jack, the doe comes around and she comes around to my front tire right where I'm at and is standing there, like literally just standing there watching me monkey with this jack. <laughs> and then, and then, so I got to get the board. So I lower the jack down and I stand up. She walks down the driveway. Like, like I, like I wasn't even there. I get the board. I bring the board back. I put it under the jack. I'm monkeying around with everything, getting it in position. And I start jacking the truck up and I see, again, I'm looking through the fence and I see deer legs. So I go, oh man, she must have ran around the neighbor's house and went back to the fence. So I I crawl out from the truck, I stand up, and it's that freaking crazy buck with the one stupid antler. And he's sitting there and we're face to face. And I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> so I I I just go, I go back down to doing what I'm doing, not thinking about it, because it's on the other side of the fence, even though it's open and it could walk right around like the doe did. It's just going to go do what it's going to do. I got to get this tire off so I could go fishing. So I'm, I jacked the truck up and this buck is sniffing on this doe and he comes around right to where I'm at. And I'm, I'm sandwiched between the fence and my truck and the buck is right there, like, like over top of me looking down at me. So I'm like, oh my God, if I don't, I got to get under the truck. Cause I don't know if this thing's going to, I can't, I have nowhere to go. It's going to hoof me to death. Yeah. So I slide up underneath the truck and then he starts sniffing around over there and turns around and starts sniffing down the driveway where the doe went. Anyway, I go off. I'm on my way. We go fishing. We crush them. Um, you know, it was, it was about, it was a little later 
actually a little later in the year than now. It was, it was almost Thanksgiving. And, um, and we had a good day. I mean, we caught most of them on buzz baits and swim jigs that day. It was a, actually, it was a fabulous day of fishing. And, um, anyway, <clears throat> so fast forward to, to yeah, this why, year. Why concern ourselves with this fishing story? Let's get back to the deer. Right. So, so fast forward to this year. So behind my garage, the people that used to own this house had a dog. So they had um, a little 15 by 15 fenced in area right behind the garage. So I turned it into a garden since it had the fence to keep the deer out. I turned it into a garden and I put chicken wire around the base to keep the rabbits out. So it was easy. So that's what I did. So anyway, so, so this year, my, my black cat passed away. And so I was burying it. It was the very day. So I was burying it back there and, you know, doing my thing, bumming out a little bit. Cause mm -hmm. I love that cat bumming out a little. And all of a sudden there's, there's a deer sleeping on the other side of the fence, which I've seen. He was there for, she was there for probably the better part of a couple hours. And there was a couple behind the garden, just eating my neighbor's stuff, walking around, didn't pay much attention to it. I'm digging. I get a root. I'm chopping the root. The one that was sleeping right next to where I was working. When I started banging on the root, she got up and she just basically went to the bushes and started eating the shrubs. and then. Dude, all of a sudden, I hear this loud noise, and this deer jumps the other side of the fence. Not the one that I in my yard, the one in my neighbor's mm -hmm. yard jumps the fence. It's in the fence with me. Oh, it's, it's literally in the fence with me, 15 by 15. <laughs> I'm closed off like a cage. It's, it's, it's a cage match, it's freaking out, and so it's running in circles and stuff, and 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 literally like blowing by me like i'm i'm going like this trying to stay out of her waist so she doesn't knock me over and and it's it tries to jump out but it doesn't get any it gets no lift and literally <laughs> jumps right into the fence and bends it like you know that it's a tube tube steel on top bent that tube steel like a perfect chest mark on her boom right in into it she falls on the ground she gets back up so now i got my shovel it's a long-handled shovel i got the shovel and i'm just holding her at bay with the shovel to keep her away from me and i said well i'll back up and i'll open the gate maybe she'll run out the gate so i'm backing up you know backing her up like this and i get to the gate i open the gate and she takes two steps back and she literally leaps the whole fence <laughs> Right on the other side, I'm like, what? And swear, I swear to you, the, all the deer on the other side of the fence walk around it, go to her, and they start eating the grass right right where all this just transpired, like nothing ever happened. <laughs> like, They're nothing. probably like, oh, what a dumbass. She did it again. Yeah, really. I tell her not to go there. But yeah, so I mean, I have all these close encounters with these <laughs> with these things i just can't imagine that happening in your backyard because it's just a, it's like a little uh yeah it's a, like it's a, a little yard. garden paradise back there but i mean you got houses on either side of you oh yeah i mean yeah it's, so yeah it's, it's what a, a quarter like size wise it's what a quarter of an acre my whole yard is, yeah. is a half an no acre. the backyard where it's oh all yeah the, the backyard is a quarter yeah a quarter of an acre but, i mean but, it's not it's nothing it's nothing so so there these two bucks came back there and I wanted to get pictures of them. And they were standing behind my truck where they sleep by the pine tree. So I, I snuck between my truck and the garage wall. So when I go to the back of the truck, I'm literally right next to them. So I sneak around. I go there. I got my camera out and on my phone and I'm clicking pictures of them. They're two decent bucks. I'm clicking pictures of them. And I'm, I'm really close. Like, when I say really close, we're not talking yards, we're talking feet. Mm -hmm. So the one buck gets real nervous and he starts stomping the ground with his front hoof. And then, and the other buck gets nervous, backs up on all fours and grunts at me. So they, they kind of hop, they kind of hop to the wood line. There's a wood line back there. And I said, well, I wonder how close I can get. So I got the camera out and of course I'm doing what, I'm doing exactly what 
every moron should never do that I make fun of every day. I'm testing this, these animals to the to limit. See how they respond. To see how they respond. So to I their have personal space being invaded during mating season. Hundred percent. So I have the camera out, and and I'm taking steps forward, and I'll click a picture. I take a step forward, click a picture, and don't you know one of those bastards false charges me, like literally <laughs> comes running at me full blast and puts the brakes on right before it hits me. I take a few steps back because I'm like, uh oh, I I I crossed the line. I absolutely 100 percent crossed the line. So I take a couple steps back. It takes a couple steps back. Oh my gosh. And they kind of back up right into the woods. So they're standing right into the edge of the woods. So I'm like. I got to see if I could do this again. So I got the camera. I'm doing it again. And they both charge me and I go, I turn around, I run back and they stop. I stop. And I said, you know what? I enough is enough. I'm done with this. That is one of my biggest fears is to die in a tragic yet humorous event. Because <laughs> <Is that, laughs> then, you know, we've all heard it. Listen, we're human beings, but there's always that where you're like, I should not be laughing at this, but that's kind of funny. Yeah. Oh yeah. A hundred trampled by the neighborhood deer. And then there's oh, just yeah. the last moments of your life are just blurry photos of this pissed off deer <laughs> coming right at you. It's the hooves that are the worst mm -hmm. too. It's it's not the handlers. Oh, it's the hooves. Those are man. good. I will mention, and it, it caused me to go down a Google wormhole. But uh, you use the term bewitching hour, which technically is the witching hour, which my buddy Owen used to always use when I was up in Alaska. He'd be like, it's the witching hour, which meant that's when the rainbow trout are biting. Right. Yeah. So, so I was like, I wonder, I wonder what the origins, because you hear that. In, I hear that in fishing and it's the witching hour. Right. Right. And it's the um, same thing in hunting, too. Right? Yeah. So in folklore, Early. the witching hour is a time of night that is associated with supernatural event whereby witches, demons, and ghosts are thought to appear and be at their most powerful. Ooh. Definitions vary and include the hour immediately after midnight at a time between three and four. The term has now uh, widespread colloquial and uh, automatic usage is associated with human psychology and behavior to be more superstitious phenomena such as luck. It began as early as uh, 17... 75 by a reverend and is thought to go back to the Catholic church in the 1500s, the witching hour. There you go. Now we know. I was always curious about that. Now we know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I had to do some, uh, some deer stories because I, I've had my own deer stories and you know what my backyard is like. Absolutely. I've got, uh, I have four deer. I have a mom and a baby that haven't left yet. And then I've got two, youngsters i would assume like in human years they're probably like 12 and every morning i wake up at 6 30 and i i've kind of remembered the last couple mornings but i i have like the blinds where you like hit the you hit the deal and it goes and opens all of them at once mm -hmm. well every morning i just scare the bejesus out of these <laughs> deer because they're in my backyard and then all of a sudden right at daylight the blinds go and they are on high alert and uh uh i've got i think it's like a it's probably a six foot fence six seven foot uh fence in the backyard well the problem i've run into and i feel awful about this is the mom immediately goes screw this i'm out shoom jumps over the fence well the baby can't jump the damn fence frank oh no not a so chance now not you get the chance. mom on one side and, and I just watch this through the window. Like, I don't go out and pull a scalish. I just watch this through the window. Them. <laughs> no. But now the baby starts screaming. So you can hear him going. Rah, rah, rah. And then now the mom's on the other side going, huffing, trying to get the baby to come over there. So then the baby just goes, well, I'll go through the fence. That never works. <laughs> and so i'm like oh my god this is it's gonna break a leg something's gonna happen I, I can't do anything i don't know what to do the mom is like in and out on the other this has happened like four or five times over the last couple of weeks and 
So what the baby ends up eventually doing, there's one hole in the fence, like in the corner where the two fences meet. There's like, it's not a hole. It's, it's, I have very well-made fences there. It's make, make it sound like I just got, but there's like a gap where the vertical and the horse, you know, the back and the corner, it's two poles. Right. Well, the baby doesn't know like, Hey, I can squeeze through there and get over to mom. So sometimes it'll take 20 minutes. Sometimes it'll take an hour. Sometimes it'll take five minutes, but that baby will eventually ease because it's running that. back and forth. You know, I've got a little over two acres and it'll right. be running the entire length back and forth, freaking out. And then, uh, and then the other time when the, when the when the juveniles are in the backyard, they just start trying to jump it immediately, and they can never get over it. It's it's very scary to watch. Like I've got I've got the photos. I wonder if I could show the photos, but uh, I have. I mean, I kind of have my own my own deer stories. This was just. Uh, do you, do you have a trophy for when they finally make it over? You can present them. Uh, with a yeah. Okay. The here jump. it here it is right here. All right, blow. You got to blow your side up so I could see it too. Yeah, I will. All right, there's the uh, here are the here are the uh, juveniles. These are the. Uh, what are they? Probably a year old. Okay, got it. Got him. So you can see how high that fence is, according to them. And then, just in case you were wondering, here's the mom and the baby. This is this was back-to-back -back mornings there's the mom saying have a nice life and the baby going whoa wait for me <laughs> mom's like i'm out <laughs> you're on your own slick yeah so like i mean i don't know what to do so i just try to uh open I just the fence to... give it a make a bigger gap in the fence i'm not opening that fence if anything i'm closing the damn thing in more and then you could trap the deer. <laughs> well, I mean, I kind of am. I kind of do have them trapped because if you go outside, but it's amazing the, the noises they make. Oh, yeah. I'd yeah. be interested in seeing oh. how many hardcore bass fishermen are also deer hunters and vice versa. I'm sure those numbers are out there because I have never hunted a deer. Uh, I, I don't have anything obviously against it. It's just I didn't grow up with anybody who was like, hey, let's go deer hunting. My dad didn't right. deer hunt. And then I had the hot water lakes in Illinois. And then when I was 18, I moved away to play hockey. So then all winter I was playing hockey right. and then I moved to Oklahoma college. And so I've just never had that. Cause I grew up in central Illinois. Like I grew up in a year there Deer with big bucks too, but yeah, that's like you saying you grew up on Falcon and you're a jet skier. <laughs> that's such a good analogy. That is such a good analogy, but yeah, I mean, you know, um, we have tons of deer here. We have coyotes and turkeys. Mm -hmm. I got turkey back here, coyotes. What are the similarities? Let's bring this back to fishing. This is a fishing okay. show. What so, are the similarities between good hunters and good anglers, Frank? Okay, so here's what I noticed. A lot of your really, really good deer hunters are really good bass fishermen. Um, the animal, be the deer behavior here is almost exactly like bass behavior the way they relate to contours and the way they relate to their feeding plots and everything else and, we'll, and, and instead of current we'll we'll assume the wind is their current so so what a deer will do a lot of times when they bed down is they bed down with the wind at their back because they can smell what the wind's bringing them and then they can see where they can't smell so they can look downwind and see, and the wind behind them will bring the odors in for them to smell. So it's a safe for them. But the way they use the contours, um, the way they use the edge lines is exactly how bass do. If you ever see deer, you know, relating to cornfields, alfalfa fields, et cetera, they're always running those edges. They're always using those edges, just like a bass would use the edges of grass beds and stuff like that so when you sit there and you see how deer move through terrain bass move through the terrain almost the same way obviously with the exception of bass suspending and chasing pelagic bait fish mm -hmm. and stuff like that but just how they relate to the contour lines and of course the structural elements that bass relate to like rock piles isolated grass patches and stuff same thing when the deer relate to heavy covered areas for safety um the the multiflora that you know heavy multiflora the 
real thick cover. Um, it's the same. It's almost the same thing. Um, and some of the best bass fishing guys on tour are great deer hunters. I mean, look, look at Hackney, look at Van Dam, um, Jason Christie, those guys, Christie, all those guys. They hunt like madmen, and they fish the same. You know, so I've seen a real, co real correlation to their understanding of the environment and how the animals uh, behave through that environment. That's um, weird. I never really thought of that. Not being a hunter of, of looking at the terrain and contour lines and, you know, yeah, brush piles, yeah. rock piles, that type of stuff. And then, and then I guess we're all like li living beings. I, I guess in a way, if you think about it, human beings use contour lines just like a fish does you know you talk about the mi migration migratory seasonal patterns of the bass how they'll follow a creek channel back stop on a secondary i mean i guess if you think about it we typically tend to follow the path of least resistance the easiest something that you can follow right. or you i mean yeah and everything's about everything's about food and safety food and shelter and mating well, yeah, and mating, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying, we're keeping it real here. Those are the three things, isn't it? Right, that yeah, that's exactly right. And it's the same instincts. It's for fight or flight. Yeah. You know, you're either going to fight or you're going to run. I mean, that's just how it goes. Here's the, the hierarchy. Is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. There's psychological needs, safety and security, love and belonging, self-esteem, and then self-actualization. <laughs> you you don't so ever remember that from uh I from do. school? Maslow's yeah, I hierarchy. Do. I was a communications major, so we got we had that a lot. Yeah, and almost no breathing, reaches. food, water, shelter, clothing, and sleep. Yep. Those are the necessities. Absolutely. So yeah, so you know, that was my that was my Saturday is was raking leaves and then uh, of course i look outside and it's like i never touched them but um and then friday i got to fish with frankie which was a blast we can i show that picture oh yeah show those pictures i didn't know if you sent me something that wasn't supposed to be in the background or not i'll zoom I, in I, I i've never been on that lake before that day so it doesn't matter to me okay i'll show it dude those look like just chunky northern strains Oh, uh, there. Let me, let me go. Yeah, you got to go. Screen. You got to go large. Go big or go home, man. Yeah, those. that one was a six-pounder, and then the other one was a five-pounder. And then Frank. It's cold. Yeah, it was. We had, the day was brutal, actually. You know what really irritated me? Um, the wind was supposed to be, they said it was going to be 10 to 15. Um and it turned out to be sustained 17 with 25 to 35 mile an hour gusts the whole day. So it just yeah, never, in the butt. it just never, you know, it never let off. I mean, I, I don't care too much about the wind, but when you're on a brand new lake and you're looking for stuff, wind makes it, wind makes it a time suck is what mm -hmm. happens because, because now it's taken twice as long to do everything. Um, but we wound up catching them uh, anyway, and um, it was it's an interesting lake. The pattern was nothing that I I assumed we would be a little closer to winter pattern because we lost about 15 to 19 degrees in water temperature in about four days. So I figured it would knock them back a little bit, but it turned out to be really very traditional early fall fishing i mean it's not it's not as far along as i had thought it was going to be um which you know which leads me to you got to actually you got to actually look at what's happening when you're out there this time of year and not what you believe like there's been a couple of times where this time of year we're we're almost dead blown into winter pattern and we're not even close to that right now. Um, and we're going to be unseasonably warm, or I shouldn't say unseasonably warm, but we're going to be in the 50s now for another week or so. Mm -hmm. So it's going to slow it way down now. Um, so the fishing is really technically, I mean, theoretically, it's really good fishing right now. I mean, it's, it's really good. 
every once in a while we'll see a tournament one. Jeffries obviously likes to talk about Jim Morton catching him on a buzz bait in the snow on Grand yeah. Lake. But, yeah. but what it is, is it is it's it's one of these random tournaments. Typically it's either very early in the year or very late in the year, that the physical conditions do not match the water conditions. Correct. And it looks bizarre as to the techniques and how you're fishing based on what you can see above the water with your eye versus what is actually going on beneath the water. Right. Uh, and, and I think that's a big lesson. And that's kind of what you, you experienced this past week. They're yeah. still doing things that even though you were wearing, you know, foot warmers and gloves and jackets, those fish were, don't know what it is out here. Right. They know what it is in their environment. So there's Correct. a lesson. That's as a fishing tip on on uh, day four, with Frank Scaly. <laughs> right. Well, you know the funny thing is, I was on Watts Bar and um, fishing a championship. I'm sorry. For what? <laughs> Having to be on Watts Bar. <laughs> well, we were fishing a championship, and I'm I'm trying to think if it was late February, and we had gotten down there, and it was in the teens, Oof. and we were pre-fishing. Um, my partner and I, it was a team trail. We were pre-fishing and he's like, well, we should just go. We're not going to learn anything now. And I go, we're not leaving. I didn't, didn't drive down here to turn around and drive home. We're going to fish. And so just like the, just like you said with the weather thing. So I'm thinking massive, major cold, you know, the bass gotta be doing this and we're zigging and zagging and we're not doing anything. And I pulled into this one pocket arm and started slow, literally slow rolling rattle baits. I was, I was actually throwing an XR 50 mm -hmm. and I was, I was slow rolling on these gravel round gravel points, not steep, sharp gravel points, but flatter rounder, very, very much a pre-spawn location and started catching mammoths. I mean, giant bass. And so I was like, the bell goes off in my head. These fish, these fish are getting ready for spring. They don't care what this weather's doing. And so I picked up my half ounce spinner bait and started slow rolling it on shallow drains on the outsides of shallow drains and, 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 and catching fours and fives. I mean, it was just like every time you caught one, it was like, you can't believe what you're catching. Um, and it, and it never got warmer than 19 degrees in three days. And it was, well, I think we wound up taking second in that event, but it would, it was unbelievable. The bass were doing everything that you would think they weren't going to do. That's what they were doing. I mean, we, we were catching some of them we were catching in, you know, mm -hmm. zero water. Um, they didn't care what the weather was doing. They had something on their head yeah, and so that's, you need to be able to look at your graphs and look right. at the water temperature and look at not just what the weather is today, but what it's been the last couple of weeks and Correct. all sorts of different stuff instead of just wake up, look out and go, Oh, it's snowing. Right. Because it doesn't matter. Um, I've caught some of my best fishing days have been in a blizzard. Mm -hmm. um, I was doing a photo shoot with an outdoor writer and um, we got nine inches of snow and I probably caught 30 cranking uh fat free shads where you would think that you're not going to catch them on a crankbait they were choking on the thing and, Question. go ahead snow versus rain real quick while you're going on that is it the same thing where the barometric pressure is dropping one's just liquid form and one's a crystallized is it the exact same thing or is there something different about snow that makes them bite better than rain i don't i don't i'm not you know is that a valid question you see what it, i'm saying it's a huge valid question that I don't even know the answer to um, other than I can tell you, I would much rather fish in the snow than the rain. Okay. I just wondered if Personally. you knew if they bite actually better in the snow or is it literally just a falling barometric pressure where if that same snow had been rain, it still would have triggered a bite window. Yeah. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Okay. Um, but especially in the colder months, like, you know, ice mm -hmm. out early spring and, late fall, early winter, I'd rather fish when it's snowing than raining because so you were cranking it in an un unnormal that's not the word. What's the word? Not uncharacteristic. Uh, not, it was Unna it was uncharacter Uncharac it was uncharacter yeah. it was uncharacteristic. Um 
but they were, I found them ganged up and all they would eat was that fat free shad. And I literally sat there and caught them every other cast. It was unbelievable. And you would think they would be very lethargic, you mm -hmm. know, hit the bait, just get heavy. They were slaughtering it, dude. I mean, they, they were hitting it like a steelhead would hit a crankbait. I mean, they were just pile driving the thing. And I couldn't, I didn't know if it's because I was around so many fish. The competition was so fierce because I didn't have forward facing sonar. So I didn't know if I was just around that many bass that the competition was so good. They were literally fighting over it. Um, or if something, you know, something going on with the weather just triggered it. But they, I will tell you this, it was, it was, I only fished for like three hours and, and I don't even know how many I caught. I can't even tell you how many I caught. See, I've never gotten on that. I've, everyone I know has a, has a freaking snowstorm story and I've never had a snowstorm story. Well, I'm, I mean, look where you live. Well, I know it, but it also, you we know, get that. We get the, well, we, we get the, op, we get the opportunity probably three times a year. Right, where we'll have it, you know, umpteen times, twice a, twice a year, late fall and early spring. Yeah, that's true. But it's crazy. It's crazy because the more you the more you bass fish, the more you learn about it. But the more you learn that they break a lot of rules. Like we talk on day four all the time. If this than that you know if you've run into this situation then you want to do this um and that is a high percentage a most of the time thing mm -hmm. but they break the rules and i and i can i can tell you a lot of times when you know i was completely fooled not just in the cold months but in the middle of summer as well right. um where you're just completely fooled like the smallmouth that I was sight fishing in August on Lake Erie in six feet of water. Um, I never would imagine that in a million years. And I was ripping down the main land, just sight fishing them. I'd see these big brown torpedoes and flip a drop shot up in front of them and, and catch them. Um, so there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of rule breaking, but you got to remember the, the rule breaking is a very, very, very small percentage of your fishing. Mm -hmm. And so if you stay with the law, if you stay with the law of averages and you stay with the percentages, you're going to be more successful time in and time out. But the beauty part about it is the more time you spend and you recognize what's supposed to go on, you recognize what what's not supposed to yeah. go on equally as fast. You know what I it's mean? It's kind of like hitting on 17. Yeah. Hitting on 16. Exactly. Like right, it's right. every once in a while, it's going to be a beautiful thing, but day in and day out, you're going to, you're going to do better. Right. If you... right. Your percentages of yeah. winning at that point are probably little less than 50, 50, but every now and then it's going to pay. Yeah. Uh, all right. I, I want to close the show with one, with a list. We like to do lists on this show occasionally. I have a list. You've mentioned two of the things uh, today that are on that list, but I feel like we kind of owe it to the viewers to fill this list out. I think we can get to 10 things on it, but I do want to remind everybody last Thursday, uh, like literally as the show was happening, the uh, Bandit 300 real crappie pattern dropped. Uh, Frank mentioned that uh, they do have the video out now, and this is a Frank Scalish color. I actually... I'm one of the first people to ever see this color you are. Um, in person, but that is one of 300 that are currently available on lurenet.com. Talk us through that color. Okay. So th this, the, the, you could, Oh, you could see the pearls coming out on this thing. When it turns now you could see on the back, I've got some purple pearls um, and lavender pearls on the back. The pearls that you can't see are the blue and the green on the side a little bit. Um, it's just because of the photography. A lot of times the photography deadens your pearls. Um, so you don't see it as clear. But what I found is that there's a million lakes that are overpopulated with stunted crappie. Crappie are a main forage base for bass. Um, and I just wanted a representation that was 
a good crappie pattern, but could translate as bait fish. You know what I mean? Um, and and so I made the I made the crappie pattern. Um, it's actually when I made the color, I I literally made it for you guys. And then um, it's called BTL crappie on the list on the one that I've got. Not gonna lie. Right, it is. It's called BTL crappie, and um, I I made it a long, long, long time ago, and so they they finally decided to make it, and I was very happy that they did because it's a great color. Um, it's a really good color. So seven ninety nine. Now, does that qualify for the BTL code? Yeah. I, I think it does. LureNet.com loyal listener code capital BTL23 to get 15% off all regularly priced items. Seems to be a regularly priced item. $7.99. That's a steal these days for a crank and plug. Oh yeah. No kidding. Uh I was in I was in the tackle shop the other day looking for a certain type of bait. And to my dismay, they went up a couple of bucks and um it's hard to buy. It's hard to buy buy them for under sixteen dollars now. And I, was you know, like, what hasn't what? gone up a couple of bucks? Day four with Frank Scalish. It's still free. That damn straight, and and of course the great prices on LureNet. All right. <laughs> at the risk of at the risk of pissing you off. All right, wait a second. I this is unannounced, unknown to me. Well, I do have veto power. I have we're veto gonna, power, so we're whatever. end the show with a list, and then and then next week I got guys that want my crappie breading recipe. Oh, we haven't had a good cooking show, right? So next week I'll I'll bring out the recipe. Okay, I'm writing it down now so I don't forget. Okay, November seventeenth or November sixteenth, crappie cooking with Frank Scalish. Do you think we could get this thing set up in the kitchen where you could actually do? You could. Is there any way we could get this set up in the Scalish kitchen so we could do a cooking show live on BTL? I'm not joking around. We need it's, to have this it's, discussion. It's all very. It's because very it would be a pain in the butt, but it would be a first. It, it's a very possible thing, and it 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 could it could happen. But I'll, I'll be cooking crappies at seven in the morning, bro. <laughs> no, it would be uh, 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, I can do that. I really, I'm excited for that. Yeah, I have, I have a, um, I have a Wi-Fi booster, so my kitchen's the worst reception oh. in the house. It well, goes we'll in, test it. it. I'll it be goes back in next week, so we'll test it. Yeah, we'll have to test it, but okay. yeah, we but could do that, that. That would take things to the next level. We could do that. Okay, I'm totally down. You ready for, for this list? Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about, but. I have veto power. I'm just going to let you all know that are listening that I may have the right of refusal on this. This is one. a list of Frank's biggest pet peeves on the water. Oh, for God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for God's sake. We have a lot of them, but I don't think we've ever actually put pen to paper on this. Pet peeves. Oh, Are we good? Because because we're starting out with, and this is in no particular order. We'll spend another show where we'll bring Frankie Jr. on, and then we'll order him. So then we could actually do. And I think after this next clothing drop, that's going to drop in two weeks, uh, just in time for Christmas, the Frank Scalish Signature Series line of clothing. The next drop after that is going to be a T-shirt with your list of pet peeves on the back. Okay. So um, what what made me think of this was the wrong forecast. Really. Really big pet peeve. Supposed to blow five to ten out of the out of the north. You get out there and it's twenty sustained out of the south. A lot of four letter words hurled towards the local Cleveland weather forecasters when that happens, right? Oh, there's a lot. Yeah, I. You know what? Think about it. That's the that's a dream job because you could be wrong fifty percent of the time and still make six figures. Being mm -hmm. a weatherman. Of course, now that all the weathermen are going to hate my guts because I know it's way more involved than that. Yep. Uh, number two is def, and this is no particular order, but another one you mentioned being late. Like you go out and it's a flat tire. You're waiting on someone. You're saying, "Hey, we're leaving at we're leaving at eight o'clock. We're going to be at the lake by nine. They're like, "Ah, I'm going to be a half hour late." Now I know yeah. there's there's extenuating circumstances, but still a big pet peeve of Frank Scalish, right? 
Yeah, it's a big pet peeve of mine because, um, especially if I'm fishing with someone else, because my time is important and to, to be late is, you know, I understand things happen like, you know, flat tire, car wreck or whatever. Mm -hmm. I get it. But just to be late is <laughs> car wreck, you know, yes, maybe, right. uh, you know, car wreck. <laughs> uh, uh, number three, and I'm going and, uh, we'll, we'll start altering here, but I'm just going just based on, this is just based on day four things that based on previous, about. based on previous episodes, lack of courtesy at the boat ramp major major and and, be, and living on lake erie when you have a pleasure and some of our inland lakes well all of our inland lakes are really small here for the guys that live here you get it um all of our inland lakes are really small here boat ramps are limited there's usually only three to two on on a lake sometimes only one and um when a pleasure boater pulls up to the ramp and backs down and he's still got his his cover on the boat his all the kids the family everybody's still in the car no nobody's pre unhooking anything and they get down there and they block the whole ramp up for 15 minutes while they're you know taking the cover off getting food which is you know one bottle of water at a time um when all this stuff could have been done before you ever left the house you know um that's an irritation that's mm -hmm. a huge irritation um the other one is when everybody ties off to the boat ramp and then they all go, go get their cars and there's 10 boats tied off to a two boat ramp and nobody could get in or out mm -hmm. that's a that's a that's a big I'll grind your gears i get yeah that'll that gets me right, i have others but go Okay, and I'm saving the big ones for last, obviously. Uh, apparently. Uh, for, forced to throw a lure for the camera. When you have to get all the water, oh. throw, that, one is, that, one, that one really is a pet peeve of Frank Scalish. That to me, as a, uh, that to me is the most annoying. <laughs> that is the show we've ever had. That's the most annoying thing on earth because it's like this, okay? If there's a pattern going on and you know what the pattern is and you're forced to do something that is completely evidently and obviously not even close to that pattern, I don't even want to pick the rod up. I would rather go home because you're just, all you're doing is casting. I can't deal with that. Uh, another one that's similar along the lines is when the bite changes for no apparent reason. It seems like a lot of the times you'll have it, you'll be like, let's go fill bit. And then it's the same thing, same conditions, everything. And for some reason, yeah, ghost it, town. It, it is. <laughs> I've had that happen a lot, but fortunately, I've had the ability to make the adjustment um, because I've had multiple, you know, multiple lures that I could video. Now I've had I've had issues where I was really predicated on one bait, and we just didn't get shows. And my cameraman would be the one to attest to it. I would be every cast. I would be throwing a slew of expletives out going, this is, this is so good. Yeah. Nothing's going <laughs> to. Uh, number seven is, is just in general, a crowded lake. Now we haven't even gotten to the other pet peeves that go along with the crowded lake, but, but I've experienced this firsthand with you. You've talked about it on the oh, show, yeah. a, a crowded lake. Yeah, I can't handle it. Um, I, I can't handle it, not because I don't think I can catch fish in the crowded lake, um, because I don't fish tournaments anymore, and I don't have to fight for real estate on the water. I'm not doing it when I fun fish. I'm I'm not doing it. I, I've literally drove to a lake and never even put my boat in, turned around and left and went somewhere else just because the parking lot was full. Uh, number eight, not having what you need or what you want to try in the boat. That's a big pet peeve. That's probably one of your biggest. Yeah. I, um, that's, that's what makes me notoriously horrible man in going in another person's boat. See um, day four with Frank Scalish from last week. Right. That makes me a very horrible human being because I, um, I have, my boat is rigged 
or I should say loaded. My boat is loaded meticulously. Everything is labeled. I have lures for every situation that I can encounter. If something changes, I have it in that machine. When I go in someone else's boat, like the other show we did, where we break it down and I have rods mm -hmm. for multiple uses, et cetera, et cetera, um, you can only bring so much stuff with you. And so I don't make allowances for the oddball pattern when I go as in someone else's boat. I look at the conditions and say, this is, this is what should be going on. High percentages, most of the time you're going to be in the wheelhouse, but that rare time when you're not mm -hmm. and you don't have it, I feel like I'm wasting the day because I'm like, I could be catching them way better on something else. Okay. Now we're down to the big three, what I call the big three, the trifecta. Yeah, I know exactly. I know exactly. What the this first is one is going to be clueless pleasure boaters. <laughs> Dude, I, I think there should be a rule that <laughs> I think there should be a rule that we could, we could have paint guns, paint, paintball guns on our, on our boats. And if you tag someone with it, they got to get off the lake. That's what I think. The next one is going to be trollers, walleye trollers, just the, 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 the general troller, the guy like actually trolling a lure behind the boat. Yeah. Am I right? Am I good? Am I two for two so far? Yeah, you're two for two. You're actually on the money on all of them because, <laughs> you know, yeah, because here, look, you know what? I don't, I don't have a disdain for trollers. I really don't. Um, there's a lot of guys that fish aggressive trollers incredibly well. Here's where I have the problem. When I'm sitting on an offshore hump, smacking smallmouth. And then they got to come and start trolling over where I was at when clearly they're walleye fishing. Okay. So now they're trolling over the stuff that I'm fishing. Now I have a problem with that. And I look at, I'm getting, I'm getting animated. <laughs> and then obviously the, uh, I know to exactly. wrap things up. You got 10 for 10. It's the, the bent rod anglers who see where you are, know what's going on. And they come over to get some, of uh, some of your nectar. Yeah, I, I, um, I just never have done that my entire life, so I don't understand it. Um, if you're not catching fish, oh boy, I shouldn't say this. Never mind. Um, I just it's a safe space, Frank. You can say whatever you want. If you're not catching them, and you see another guy catching them, and you got to go there, you're doing stuff wrong. Or you'd be catching them because that. Ain't what are you supposed place. to do? This is a great learning experience. You okay? Let's say you've had a horrible day. This is the one day of the week that you get. You're not super familiar with the lake. You see Frank. You're you're on something. You're blasting him. Right. Okay. So here, look. You want to know something? If you're seeing me whacking on them, usually I'm off the bank. Mm -hmm. So. If you've been fishing the bank all day and you've caught a couple of 10 inchers and you're not catching any fish and you see a dude, no matter who it is, 30 to 150 yards to a half a mile offshore and he's catching fish, then just go offshore and start looking for fish. You don't have to go where the guy is catching mm -hmm. them. Just, just say, well, wait a minute. He's out there catching them. I've been in here. I Maybe look at your map and say, what is he fishing? You'll, you'll obviously be fishing some sort of structural element. You could say, well, I'm not going to go over there and fish the same structural element. Right. Two miles away, there's a creek with a hump out in front of it, and it looks like it's about the same depth. He's throwing a moving bait. Let's go try it two miles away. Right. Or conversely, if you're sitting there poking around offshore and you're not catching anything and you see some dude whipping a frog down the bank, hammering their lights out, then you go, oh, I, I should probably go to the bank and start fishing. And don't go where the guy's catching them or cut in front of them because that's my real pet peeve. My real pet peeve is if I'm fishing something and a dude rolls in front of me and starts fishing. And I don't care if it's 10 yards in front of me or 30 yards in front cut of me. It, cut off is of number one. Getting cut number off. One. Number Getting one. Getting cut off on a bank. If you see my boat going in a direction, you don't need to go in front of me. You know what I mean? Go behind mm -hmm. 
I do the same thing. When I was fishing the tournaments, I'd come unscrewed in the boat. I would yell and scream and everything. Uh, you know, I, I'm very, I'm very giving, very forgiving mm -hmm. and very understanding, but there's certain things that I just don't agree with. And, and, and I don't think it's ethical. And so don't do it. Like, you know, I, I, I get it in Ohio. The lakes are tiny, tiny, tiny. And there's, and they are, believe me, they are, Matt, you could attest to this. Yes, we did. I mean, you were hating it because we, we had a number seven, which was a crowded lake scenario. Oh, it was, it was packed. You did not enjoy it. Fortunately, the first people we came upon went, Frank, Frank Scalish, no way. Matt, is that you, Matt? And it turned out to be, it turned out to actually. But that really was a crowded lake it. scenario. Yeah, it was very crowded. Yeah. And and the guys were catching them. Yeah. And, and, you know, we caught them too, but we didn't catch them like normal, but we did not catch them either. So, you know. Did I cut you off? Was that it? And we have 12. Is it the 12? Is that Frank's 12 biggest pet? Did it, have we left anything out of that? Wrong forecast, being late on a fishing trip, lack of courtesy at the boat ramp, bite changes for no apparent reason, forced to throw a specific lure for the camera, uh, a crowded lake, Oh, that's, uh, that's actually 11, a crowded lake, not having what you need or what you want to try in the boat, clueless pleasure boaters, aggressive trollers, bent rod fishermen, and getting cut off going down a bank. That's money, man. That's a, that's a future. That's a future Frank Scalish t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I could just see all those things, dude. You're gonna be a you're gonna be a wealthy man after that drop, Frank. Yeah, sure. I just like I said, you know. I mean, I just there's there's ways to behave on the water, especially you know, um, for us bass guys, where we stand out more than most with you know our bass boats and ripping down the lake, and you know we and people don't like us. I mean when bass boats show up on a lake, most of your pleasure boaters have the same disdain for us as we do for them. And you really think, yeah, I mean, I, I was on some lakes where people, I would be fishing boat docks and they'd come running down and spray you with a hose. Oh, those are just you. assholes. Yeah. Well, get away. Dude, I, I was in Florida <laughs> and there was a little pocket off of a pocket and the bass were spawning in there. And, um, this lady came out and she put a sprinkler on. And so the sprinkler was pointing right in the water. So it go in the water. I couldn't see, you couldn't see a bed if you were underwater in scuba gear. She had the thing bulleted, right? And dude, it, it covered the entire, that entire pocket. So it's like, she's been through that before. You know what yeah, I mean? So she like when she knew she had bingo at two. So she'd go at one thirty, turn oh, the sprinkler dude. on, head to bingo. Dude, she had it down. I mean, that sprinkler covered the entire pocket and it was angled right down into the water and it just would. And you couldn't see, a, you couldn't see a thing. Dude. Here's a twist. How like, much do you want to bet she had a son that was a tournament fisherman that said, mom, when you see one of these sparkly boats, turn this on. Yeah. Protect it. Yeah. Yes. I, who knows? I mean, who knows? Um, I, I was fishing with an out, a very prominent outdoor writer and, um, somebody came and said, you can't fish in here. And the, of course it, it was navigable waterways. So we were totally allowed in there. Um, and he just, he had the rule, the, 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 you know, the rule and mm -hmm. the number he said, well, excuse me, sir, but look up, you know, 43 dash, whatever it was. Was it Ken Duke? No, it, I was, it was actually Darcy Egan okay. and he, and he just said the, said the rule. He goes, look it up. We, we have every right to be here. What'd they say? Nothing. They just walked away because we had smooth. every right to be there. Yeah. <sighs> That's yeah, what smooth. we should do from this show. Frank, just walk away right now after today. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay i i gotta i might have some deer i gotta go ruffle their feathers in a minute <laughs> you got anything else nah dude but but i think we're gonna do i'll give you the crappie recipe thursday uh next thursday i'll give you the crappie recipe on the 16th it's i'm telling you it's a banging recipe it's it's fabulous
All right. I really enjoyed today's show. I like hearing the deer stories. I like trading pictures. We got a little bit of education in there. And then whatever that last segment was, I'm really glad I went with it because I enjoyed the hell out of it. Irritation, education, irritation, and recipes. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of entertain, educate, and engage. I love it. I love it. All right. This has been another edition of Day 4 with the man Frank Scalish next Thursday, 8.30 a.m. Central Time. Same place. See ya.